Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. If you're unable to see the world around you so well, it's sometimes useful to have some sighted assistance describe what's around you. But artificial intelligence, or AI, has improved a lot and Maybe someday we won't need those human assistants. We'll speak with Saqib Sheikh, the totally blind initiator of and lead developer of the free Seeing AI app from Microsoft that runs on iOS devices. And you will learn how this app is able to perform an awful lot of the assistance tasks that you might have previously needed to ask another human to do for you. But first, for our tip of the week. This week's tip comes from Saqib Sheikh and explains some of the interesting uses Seeing AI can be helpful with. With Seeing AI, just try it out on different things, on different parts of your life. One of the most fun things as I travel the world and talk to different user communities is the creative uses people have including a teacher who was using face recognition to hear which students entered the classroom, or someone who was using short text to find out what the football scores were on the television in real time. Cool. You have to experiment with these things. Just all the little things, like I came to the hotel and I needed to identify the shampoo and shower gel bottles that you get in the bathroom and things like that, or finding out what the thermostat was set to. Oh, that's interesting, especially one who travels as much as you do. That's got to be very useful. Yes. You know, I was thinking, especially with waterproof phones these days, you can figure out which one is the shampoo and the conditioner. We walked into a hotel a couple of years ago on vacation where within the shower, they had three containers of shampoo, conditioner, and body wash or something like that. I wear just on the wall. Yeah, yeah, they were mounted to the wall. And so, so I showed Pete, you know, the one on the left was shampoo and blah, blah, blah. And then he could take a shower. Uh-huh. So next day I came in to take a shower and something just didn't feel right. It turned out that the maids had come in and refilled the canisters and replaced them all in different positions. <laughs> <laughs> so a waterproof phone with seeing AI on it would have been just the tool I needed. So Pete. What's the primary use that you like using Seeing AI for? It's put me out of a job. I like that video feature. The ability to capture text real time is really nice. I mean, sometimes my computer will crash and my screen reader won't read and you want to know what's on the screen. And I find it very useful for stuff like that or just scanning a can or just something quick where you wouldn't want a you know, whole document described to you. So those are just some of the neat uses that you can get out of the Seeing AI app. And in the rest of the show, you'll hear about others. Support for Eyes on Success is provided by the Hadley Institute for the Blind and Visually Impaired, offering the 2019 New Venture Business Competition to help blind entrepreneurs turn their ideas into actual startups. More information and submission criteria are at www.hadley.edu nvc. 
And if you would like an audio promotional item for your organization or service to appear at Eyes on Success, email us at hosts at eyesonsuccess.net. Let's start by meeting Saqib and learning about Microsoft's commitment to accessibility. Hi, I'm Saqib Sheikh. I'm a software engineer at Microsoft and lead on the Seeing AI project. And I gather you have a visual impairment yourself. Yes, that's right. I've been blind since childhood. And do you see anything at all? Almost nothing. I have some perception, light and vague shadows in one eye. And tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and how you came to work for Microsoft. So as I mentioned, I lost my sight when I was a child, when I was seven years old. And I went to a special school for the blind where I was surrounded by all this amazing technology. I had sort of typing lessons on a mechanical typewriter, and I was learning Braille. And then when I was a bit older, we got to use the computers with screen readers. And I was just hooked by this ability to create content that someone else could read. I remember you know, the first time I used a WordPress was a big thing. So I was also quite creative. And the two things, enjoy sort of making things from woodwork or pottery in those lessons. So the one day someone explained to me how you could write a computer program. And to me, that brought it all together. And I just loved doing that. So throughout secondary school, high school, I guess you'd call it, I was writing these little programs just for fun. And so it was a natural progression to go on to study computer science. And that eventually led me to Microsoft. Now, often at this point, we ask people to tell us a little bit about their company Really, if you don't know anything about Microsoft, Google it. But if you could talk a little bit about Microsoft's commitment to accessibility, especially for blind users, that would be great. At Microsoft, there's really this big drive to make all our software accessible. And of course, different products are at different stages. But I've seen that over time, people are just really passionate about making sure that the biggest number of people can use our software. And that goes from the big ones like Office all the way down to the small little projects for specific verticals. And it's nice to see that these larger companies, I think, are taking accessibility more seriously these days because it didn't used to be the case a few decades ago. People are building in some of these hooks really upfront in their software and their tools and thinking about how it might work for different people. It's nice to see. Yeah, we have this methodology called inclusive design, which you can read more about on the internet. But it really is this idea that if you identify the niche users, then if you can solve the problems for them, you can actually make better solutions for everyone. You know, I think that's often the case. I find that things that work well for me are more pleasing to the wider sighted community, for example. I mean, for me, with a screen reader, clutter on a web page with a lot of nonsense and stuff all around the page just is hard to deal with. And, you know, sighted people don't like that either, it turns out. Absolutely. And then it sort of goes across the sort of, as a blind person, I have a permanent disability, but, you know, people have temporary disabilities or may have a situational disability where they just have their hands full or the light in their eyes or something like that, or a driving would be another example. 
You are listening to Eyes on Success. 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 This week's focus topic is the free Seeing AI app from Microsoft that runs on iOS devices. So you introduced yourself as being the lead developer of the Seeing AI project at Microsoft. Can you give people a quick summary of what Seeing AI is if they haven't heard of it before? Yes, Seeing AI is a talking camera app for the blind community. And talking camera sounds like a bit of a misnomer, but really, yeah, you can take a picture or just hold up your uh, phone. It runs on iPhones and it will recognize what it can see. And of course, happy to go into much more detail on that. Well, we'll have to do that and have some examples. But first, I was curious at what stage of the project you got involved and how you got involved in the project. Seeing Air started off as a personal project of mine a few years ago. I was interested to see how I could pull together some of the technologies from around Microsoft to solve some of the personal challenges I was having, whether that was reading or face recognition or I studied artificial intelligence for my master's many years ago and had always tracked this field. So how could we bring this together? And then we had a hackathon in which everyone in the company can work on anything that interests them for a week. And the first hackathon, I was just doing this as a side project myself. But the next year, it really took off when I met colleagues across the world in Seattle, Redmond, or in Silicon Valley. And it really took off bringing so many people together. And the project snowballed from there till it eventually became my day job, which was incredible. Artificial intelligence is essential to the success of this project. And many people, I'm sure, have heard the term. Can you explain what that is for our listeners? So artificial intelligence, or sometimes you'll hear the word machine learning, is this idea that in the past, we would program computers to do things one step at a time. Do this, then do that. And if this happens, then do this. And it's very much the programmer giving the instructions. With artificial intelligence, then you're showing the computer examples. And then the computer is finding the patterns. Um, in the case of something like seeing AI, let's just take recognizing currencies as an example. You might show it thousands of pictures of currency bills, like a $10 bill. And over those images from different angles and different lighting and, you know, close up, far away, all these combinations, it will learn what is the essence, what is the pattern of being a $10 bill. So you're programming the computer by showing it examples rather than telling it exactly what steps to take. And one might almost say that this is akin to teaching an infant or a young child learning by example. Exactly. Like the inside technology is called neural networks, and they're actually based on or inspired by the neural network within human brains. And yeah, you're teaching it like you might teach a kid. So you are certainly in a unique position at Microsoft to be able to put this all together since Microsoft undoubtedly had a lot of AI capabilities and a lot of these tools sort of independently in different parts of the company, I would guess. And you basically tried to integrate some of these into something that would be useful to you. Absolutely, yes. I feel very lucky, like a kid in a candy store. <laughs> I'll bet. Can you describe some of the main features of seeing AI? 
Yes, so we can split into recognizing text and people and just general other type of objects. We have a mode where it can read text in real time just by waving the phone over, say, your mail or anything with writing on, it will start reading straight away. And that immediacy is something our users appreciate. I think that is really cool. I've seen other OCR programs where you have to take a picture of a page and it takes a little time, but it's basically a static picture. So this ability to use video to capture the text real time is really an advantage. Thank you. Yeah, that's what we hear quite a lot. But sometimes you might want more details. So then we have a special mode for capturing documents where we will help you line up the paper so till it can see all the edges and corners. And then it will recognize the text, but also headings and tables and lists of data within the document. So that's another aspect of reading text, which we can do. Yes, yeah, sometimes you do want the details of an entire document. <laughs> Exactly. It's always the difference between just scanning something very quickly versus wanting to sit down and read it in detail. So tell our listeners about some of the other modes that seeing AI can be used in. Absolutely. So we have handwriting and recognizing currency. We also have face recognition so that you could take three photos of somebody and type in a name. And now the next time it encounters that person, it will tell you the name of the person. Oh, so you get around the privacy concern here by making sure that it only identifies people that you've had a personal interaction with that you've taken three photographs of. Exactly, yes. And we make sure also that that stays on your device for privacy reasons. And as you say, you have to get the consent in person. The other thing is it's got a nice clean interface. It's easy to use to switch from these various modes and to use exactly the one you want for the particular purpose. Yes, that was something we focused on. Throughout the development process, we did regular user testing to make sure that whatever interface we developed was something that was going to be optimal for the blind community. You started putting this together just on your own, and it turned out to be a useful tool. How did it finally congeal into a project with a number of people working on it and being put out as an iOS app? In many ways, it was an iterative process that came over time. And for example, at the very first hackathon, it was just me dabbling. And then it turned into something with many great colleagues from Redmond, from Silicon Valley, from India, all coming together with their own specialties and you know people who could make the really great videos that got the executive attention and then eventually we were getting the attention of some executives and it was even demonstrated at our developer conference a couple of years ago and then from there it really just snowballed so many people got excited and people were like yeah why aren't we just doing this full-time making this a product and that's how the iOS app came about, because we realized that that is the platform that our users already had. So it was a perfect opportunity to bring that out. So you mentioned colleagues, including yourself, on at least three continents. How did you work together on this project collaboratively? A lot of uh, just Skype calls, I think. <laughs> sure is handy that Microsoft bought Skype. Yes, indeed. And yeah, early morning, late nights. In those early months, I think we're just like in full startup mode, just working all hours of the day. 
Does Microsoft have a number of internal blind employees who could test it, or did you have to go outside? Both. When we have a new idea, initially we will talk to other blind employees within the company. But then when maybe when we're closer to releasing something, we do also make sure that we have a broader set of perspectives from external people as well. What have been some of your biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome in putting these tools and this app together? Some of the interesting challenges have come at that intersection of emerging technologies and building natural experiences. Often we'll have scientists who say, look, um, we can do this with computer vision. And then we think, actually, but that's only the first step. And turning that into a good experience for someone who is blind can often be the harder problem. In the early days, we had some challenges around showing people the best way to hold a camera or providing guidance on lining up a photo so that then your AI can recognize what's in it. And those are the challenges that sometimes people forget you have to deal with. Well, that's interesting. When you put out products, I mean, as researchers ourselves, we often think about the nitty gritty of putting the code together and the applications together, but a lot of it may come down to, as you say, how does the user experience it? What do they need? I mean, some blind folks don't know about putting the correct light on an image or how to point the camera. Exactly. And going through that was just really interesting to me. That could be a learning experience for everybody, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Seeing AI is an app that Microsoft provides on iOS devices for free. People might ask, What's in it for Microsoft to offer this as a free service? I think it's just something that we really believe in doing. That on the one hand, it is a good showcase of our technology, but it's also a way to provide value to the blind community. And people at Microsoft, when they see the app, when they hear about it, they're just really excited by the value it can provide. Yeah, well, it certainly is useful. So this app, as it stands now, is a fairly capable app with a lot of very interesting and useful capabilities. Where do you see this going in the future? As there are new technologies that come out, we're always looking to see, on the one hand, what are the challenges that people face that we could assist with? And then also, what are the new technologies and what scenarios do they unlock? So, for example, a very new technology is being able to identify not only which objects are in an image, but also whereabouts they are in an image. So we're about to release a new feature, which will be out, I'm sure, by the time the podcast goes out, called Explore Photo. So you'll be able to run your finger over the touchscreen and hear where different objects in the photo are. And our users have told us that that's just really valuable to get a spatial awareness of photos, and it's just a different perspective on experiencing images. Well, that's a very interesting feature because that is something that a lot of these AI descriptive image programs right now don't give you. They'll tell you what's in the picture, but you have no idea of the spatial relationships, which could give you an idea of the importance and what's going on in an image. Exactly. And a lot of this technology is still very early and will get better over time. But as you say, reducing all the content of an image into a single summary sentence might lose some information, which you can get additional information by exploring with your finger. 
So this is a good point to have a demonstration of the Seeing AI app and its many useful features, including the new one that Saqib just described. So here's Pete putting it through its paces. I'm going to start by opening the Seeing AI app. Seeing AI. Double tap to open. Seeing AI menu button. And in the exact middle of the screen at the bottom, there is a combo box with a list of functions that the Seeing AI app can perform. Channel, short text, adjustable. Swipe up or down with one finger to adjust the value. Short text is an option that allows you to use a video mode on the phone to scan short segments of text. That can be useful if you don't know where the text is or it's just a little bit and you wave the phone around and it'll read it to you. Now, as it said, if I swipe up, I can see what other options are available. So I'll swipe up. Document. This option is used for scanning a document. So I would position the camera, take a photo, and it would do OCR on the document, read it back to you. Swipe up again. Product. This is for scanning a product barcode. Person. This is for identifying a person. Currency. This is for identifying money. We'll come back to that later. Scene preview. The scene preview will also try out later. This is for taking a picture of a room or some scene and describing what's in the picture. Color preview, black. And the next option is color preview. And obviously I had my phone pointed at something black. Handwriting preview. And it also has an option for reading handwriting. Light. The final option is a light detector. As I move the phone around, you hear the frequency increase. That means it's sensing more brightness as I aim the phone towards a window. And as I aim it away and cover it with my hand, you hear the frequency goes down, indicating it's pretty dark. So let's go back to the currency function again. And I have some bills laying on my desk here. Currency. 10 US dollars. That was $10. 5 US dollars. That was $5. 1 US dollar. And $1. And I didn't even have to hold these up very accurately. I just kind of picked them up, crumbled them. They were half folded and they just work. Whether it's the front or the back of the bill, it just identifies it really simply. So now I'll swipe to the scene preview. Scene preview. Double tap. Channel. Scene preview. Adjustable. And I'll aim this to take a picture. And at the top left. Take picture button. There's a take picture button. Processing. A living room. And it took the picture and told me what was in the picture. Now, on the bottom of the screen, there are several buttons. Save photo button. One is for saving the photo. Share button. One is for sharing it and sending it someplace else. And the final one. Explore photo button. Explore the elements within the photo. And by tapping this button, I can get into a mode where I can run my finger around the picture and identify each of the objects in the room that are under my finger. So let's try that. I'll double tap. Explore photo. Five items detected. Move your finger over the screen to explore. So let's see. I'll put my finger down the middle of the screen. I took a picture in my living room. Chair. I found a chair. I'm going to move a little bit to the right. Lamp. There's a lamp. Coffee table. I moved my finger down and it found the coffee table that was under the lamp. Move my finger a little bit more to the right. Chair. And it finds another chair. And that's exactly what's in my living room. A coffee table with a lamp on top of it with a chair on either side. 
So that works pretty easily. And then if I want to get out of this mode, I just flick left. Back button. Double tap. Close button. And we're out of there. So this app is already quite capable, as you can see, but I'm sure Saqib and the Microsoft team have much more planned for it. Seeing AI is a very powerful app for the visually impaired. What capabilities do you see being developed in the future for blind assistive technology based on AI? I think in general, I'm really excited by this idea that the AI will understand more about me and the world around me. And then seeing AI and other apps will be something that I can ask about different aspects of the world or whatever's interesting me. And the way I think about it is when I walk down the street with a family member or a friend, then we're just chatting away, but they also know what interests me or what's new. And we just have that discussion about what's around me. And it may be many, many years to come, but I hold that as a North Star of what if we could have AI for when you're alone to be able to describe the world around you truly like that. And each of these things we do with seeing AI, I feel, are a small stepping stone in that direction. Well, right. You have to build block by block in order to develop the future capabilities. Definitely. There's been so much progress in the recent years, just in the past three, four years, but there's also so much further to go. But Things change really fast these days, so excited to be on that journey. Great. Oh, I'll bet. Now for this week's final item, how to learn more about the Seeing AI app, how to get it, and how to contact Saqib Sheikh and the rest of the Microsoft disability team. So if people want to find out more about the Seeing AI app or some of these tools that are available, where would you send them? You can download Seeing AI from the iOS App Store, or you can find out more at www.seeingai.com. And of course, you can also email the team at seeingai at microsoft.com. Do you have a social media presence? The main Microsoft Twitter handle is MSFT enable. So I'd recommend people follow that. And we also monitor messages to that account as well. And that's not Microsoft in general. That's the Microsoft accessibility. Yes, that's right. Cool. If people wanted to contact you and ask questions, do you have a way you would encourage that? Yes. My Twitter is Sakib S, S-A-Q-I-B-S. And my email is that same at microsoft.com. And of course, we'll have all of that contact information in the show notes associated with this episode at www.eyesonsuccess.net. That's it for show number 1915. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be meeting the voice behind Siri. Susan Bennett is a voice artist, musician, and actress whose voice was used to create the original worldwide female English language Siri, and we will talk with her about what that experience was like and how her accidental fame has changed her career. 
If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.eyesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, and follow us on Facebook at Eyes on Success, or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.